Well, good morning. Uh, today's scripture reading is uh, from Matthew chapter 5, verses 9 through 13. Uh, let me read this for us. This is Jesus' teaching on prayer. This is the Lord's Prayer in here. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's word for us this morning. Uh, well, it's good to be uh, back with y'all. I think I was here maybe a few weeks ago. Uh, my name's Joe, if we didn't uh, meet last time. And... Um, you know, one of the things about uh, being a guest speaker, a guest preacher, is um, you have to think through, because you're not in a series, you know, so you have to think, well, what do I want to talk about? And then uh, that next thought that kind of pops into your head is, well, what do I need maybe to talk about? You know, like, what do I need to listen to again? What do I need to think about again? So that's just a little bit of maybe how the sausage is made. If you've wondered, like, you've had a guest preacher in here, and you're like, why'd they choose to talk about that? Answer is they probably needed to think about that uh, a little bit more. So now that doesn't apply uh, this morning as you were looking at a prayer warrior. Uh, obviously, why are you laughing? Uh, no, obviously not. I'm just kidding. Uh, I struggle with prayer as much as anybody else in certain seasons of life, struggle with it. Uh, more than other seasons of life. Um, anybody identify uh, with this? Okay, a f- few of us at least. Um, I know that it's something that many people struggle with, prayer, uh, how to pray, uh, why to pray. Um, if you struggle with prayer, take heart, you're not alone. Uh, you're actually in, in good company. In fact, uh, the, the great reformer, Martin Luther, really struggled with prayer. He, he was writing a letter to his friend Philip Melanchthon one time, and he wrote this in the letter. He said to Philip, he said, your high opinion of me shames me and tortures me. In short, I should be ardent in spirit, but I am ardent in the flesh, in lust, laziness, leisure, and sleepiness. Already eight days have passed, in which I have written nothing, in which I have not prayed. Martin Luther saying, your opinion of me, it shames me. I haven't prayed in eight days. I love his honesty there. And I I would challenge you to be so honest because what Martin Luther needed in that season and what, you know, we need, what maybe you need today is a reminder of why prayer is such a gift to us. It's actually a gift given by God to us, prayer is. What the purpose of prayer is and why it is so important, so needed. Because I think one of the reasons that maybe many of us struggle with prayer is, is I think if we're honest at times, we're like, well, why? Why pray? You know, I get, you know, okay, study the Bible and understand God's uh, teaching and to go, go to church and go to small group, go to Bible study. You know, I'm, I'm learning something. I'm, 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 I'm growing in, in knowledge. I'm growing in kind of maybe connections with other people. But with prayer, uh, 
what is happening to me? You know, why, why pray? And, and in fact, there have been times, right, where we prayed for things and it doesn't seem like God really answered it. So why pray? And then Jesus even told us, he said, you know, your father knows what you ask even before you ask it. So why pray? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. Why pray? Let's get back to prayer. Why? And we're going to look at using the Lord's Supper, excuse me, the Lord's Prayer to answer that question of why pray. Now, before we get into these reasons that we find in the Lord's Prayer and kind of walk through it a little bit, let me just say a quick thing about the Lord's Prayer in case it's it's new to you. Um, Jesus, when he gave his disciples this teaching on the Lord's Prayer and he gave it to us, he wasn't giving us a, a script Uh, necessarily to read and memorize. He was giving us a path to follow. He's giving us a manual, uh, you might say, on prayer. And so if if you're, you know, ever sitting around and going, you know what, I want to spend some time praying. How should I do that? What should I pray for? Consider pulling this guy out and taking it line by line, phrase by phrase, and letting each phrase in the Lord's Prayer kind of stir in your heart, stir in your imagination, thoughts, feelings to bring up to God. And I hope that even this morning, as we walk through some of the aspects of this prayer, that it'll do that. It'll stir up in you some thoughts, feelings, maybe expressions that you would bring to God. So let's get started. Why pray? Why pray? Let me give you four beautiful purposes of prayer. Number one, prayer brings us back to reality. Prayer brings us back to reality uh, because we are in constant need of a reality check. We're in constant need of a reality check. When you woke up this morning, who got the credit for that? Uh, your, Your children, your comforts, your eyesight, your physical health, your financial stability, your story, your life, your future. Who's responsible for that? Years ago, um, I, I, so a friend of mine used to be a, a campus minister, college pastor at Berkeley, the University of California, Berkeley. And years ago, he was telling me about attending a, a graduation ceremony. And he said that the speaker was fantastic. She got up there, and you know, what, what usually you hear at a uh, graduation ceremony is a speaker basically getting up there, you know, and, and it's 30 minutes of them going, you did it, right? And, and this speaker got up in front of this Berkeley graduating class, and she said, how much credit can you really take for being here? She went on, consider all the factors that have gotten you where you are, where and when you were born, who raised you and supported you, communities and neighborhoods you grew up in, who encouraged your ambitions, she said. And she went on and on. Her point was that many of us, maybe you've heard this saying before, her point was that many of us um, start life on third base and then pat ourselves on the back for hitting a triple. Now, a naturalistic worldview 
would simply say, okay, well, you got the luck of the evolutionary draw, if that's you. But the Bible says your life is full of gifts, full of gifts given to you by God himself. This prayer and prayer in general should bring us back to this reality. When we pray to God, give us this day our daily bread, give us this day our daily bread. We are acknowledging, if we are truly praying that prayer, we are acknowledging that even our next meal, whether I got to go catch a fish or whether I just have to swipe a piece of plastic for it, it is from God to me. My next meal. Do you know how many factors are involved in order for you to be able to take out that little piece of plastic and swipe it and buy that sandwich? Factors over which many of, many of them you had no control. When we pray, we acknowledge every, every good thing in my life is a gift of God. Give me this day my daily bread, my, very, my next meal, my sustenance comes from you. When we pray, hallowed be your name, that word hallowed means to uh, set apart or to make holy. What we're praying when we say hallowed be your name is we're saying, God, there's only one that is worthy of glory and worship because there is only one true God and it's you. We're essentially saying when we pray hallowed be your name, we're saying there is a God and it is not me. Heard somebody say recently, one of the main, one of the biggest differences between God and us is God never thinks that he's us. So through prayer, the Spirit of God reminds us of our true condition, reminds us of our true situation. We forget that our true situation is one of utter dependence upon God moment by moment. And then when we go to God in prayer, it should remind us, oh yeah, all of this is a gift. Every hour I need thee. Oh yeah, I am completely dependent upon God for everything in my life. See, a secular culture might say, well, people who pray, they're living in a fantasy world, but it's the opposite. When we don't pray, that's when we're living the fantasy. We're living the fantasy that this world revolves around me, that I'm so, uh, somehow in control of how things are going to play out. Prayer helps deconstruct this myth. Paul Miller said in his great book on prayer, he said, if you are not praying then you are quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you need in life. So number one, prayer brings us back to reality. That's why we need to pray. Brings us back to reality. Number two, uh, prayer works. Prayer works. Notice what Jesus tells his disciples. I wonder if you've ever thought about it this way. Jesus says to his disciples, when you pray... Pray like this. And then it's all verbs. And they're all commands. Be hollowed. Be done. Give us. Forgive us. Lead us. Deliver us. So let's think about this for a second. Jesus, who is God, is teaching us how to pray to God. And what does he tell us to do? Tell God to do stuff. The stuff that he wants to do. The stuff that God already wants to do, tell him to do that stuff. 
which means, at the very least, what it means is that Jesus believes in prayer. Because your prayers are a part of how God works. I know that sounds mysterious, and it is mysterious, but your prayers are a part of how God works. Jesus grants us what the uh, mathematician philosopher Blaise Pascal called the dignity of causality. The dignity of causality, that when we pray, God is granting us the unspeakable privilege of actually partnering with him in fulfilling his purposes in the world. It means prayer does do something. Not because the words that we say are somehow, you know, powerful intrinsically in themselves, or it's not magic. Prayer works because God wants it to work, because God wants you to work with him in his work. Prayer works because God wants it to work, because God wants you to work with him in his work. Prayer works. And you can, you know, I'll tell you that it works. There are people in this room who will tell you that it works, right? I'm thinking of a recent example of this, a guy that, uh, that, that I've consulted with and worked with. He um, was diagnosed about six months ago with a, a, a very aggressive and uh, deadly cancer. And, um, and it was this whole shock you know, among all the people who knew him. And I remember uh, I, I'd forgotten that I did this, but I was driving around in the car with my kids and I shared with them, hey, this is what's going on in Brian's life. We need to be praying for him. Let's pray for him. And so we prayed together. And then like a month ago, so this is like five months later, one of my kids comes up to me and goes, uh, we hadn't talked about this in a while. But he goes, hey, how's that guy that you work with doing? Because I've been praying for him every night. And, and I was like, well, <laughs> come to think of it, he's shocking doctors. There are just the reports, you know, uh, uh, coming back after his tests and just it's he's blowing kind of their benchmarks out of the water. It's actually unbelievable. Um, and I spoke with him on the phone soon after that. Uh, and and I told him the story. I said, yeah, one of my kids just the other day said, hey, how's Brian doing? Because I've been praying for him every night. And he just kind of started to break down. And he said, that's why. I'm doing how I'm doing. For, you know, and other, I, remember, I remember sitting in a parking lot one time in my car and just going, God, I, where are you? Like, can you speak to me again? Can you say something to me? Because I'm in a place where I need to hear something from you. And I was like, and I'll just be specific. It's this and it's this. And I get out of the car and I go walk into the Starbucks. And within five minutes of walking into the Starbucks, this woman walks up to me. She goes, hey, I know this is weird, but I just feel like God put something on my heart to share with you. This and this. Now, I hear the objections because I have them myself. Well, I prayed for my dad to get better, and he didn't. Well, I prayed for this marriage, and it didn't. I, pr- I prayed for this test that I needed to pass. It was really important, you know, and I didn't. And I prayed for this uh, season of my life, you know, and it didn't work out. I prayed for the, you know, Florida Gators football season. Well, that's, that's a little too hard to, 
you know, even for God, right, to do much about. Um, One of the things that encourages me is that nearly all of the prominent figures in the Bible had experiences where they prayed for something and it didn't seem to come to fruition in the time that they were asking for it. But those couple of words seem to and in the time are are important words, aren't they? We don't always see what's going on. Sometimes God is saying no to us. Sometimes God is saying not now, maybe later. Sometimes God is saying yes, but it's a long yes. Uh, We don't have the full story. You know, I'm reminded of something that um, Charles Spurgeon once said. He said, when we cannot uh, trace his hand, we can trust his heart. And he's up to something. Prayer works. There's a mystery to it. We don't. How does it work? No clue. But does it work? Absolutely. Uh, N.T. Wright, I love this quote about prayer. He said, God is working like an artist with difficult material, and prayer is the way some of that material cooperates with the artist instead of resisting him. How that is so, we shall never fully understand until we see God face to face. That it is so is one of the most basic Christian insights. Prayer works. How? Don't know. Does it? Yes. Frustratingly so at times? Sure. So prayer brings us back to reality. Prayer works. Here's the third thing, and this purpose of prayer is often forgotten. Prayer works on you. Prayer works on you. I've noticed something about God over the years, and I wonder if you've noticed this. Without fail, God seems to, there's something that God seems to always care a little bit more about than what it is I'm asking him for. And that's something to happen within my own heart. That I'd become more filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. Makes me think of something John Orberg once said. He said, God isn't always at work producing the circumstances I want. God is at work in bad circumstances to produce the me he wants. As we pray, even in the midst of hard things, and even as we're unsure of what God's going to do with the prayer, as we pray, our hearts, they're being aligned more and more to his heart. The Apostle Paul prayed three times for a, quote, thorn in the flesh to be removed. We don't know exactly what that metaphorical thorn in the flesh, assume it's metaphorical. I don't think he had like a physical thorn for the rest of his life. Something going on, asked for God to take care of it. Three times, God didn't remove it. But God did something else instead. God took the Apostle Paul and turned him into somebody who would be able to say and truly believe God's at work in my weaknesses. God's grace is sufficient for me, regardless of what I'm having to endure, having to go through. There's something about prayer that works on us, works on our hearts. A couple of examples from the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus tells us to pray, forgive us our debts. 
He's telling us to, to just come clean and be, be vulnerable, be, be completely honest with God about all of our shortcomings and all of the things that we've done wrong and we continue to do wrong on a daily basis and be totally honest with him. And when that happens, what happens is the broken you c- collides with the beautiful holy God and the, 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 what comes out of that equation is big, wonderful grace for you. And that grace transforms us. It changes us. That grace shapes us. And so what does Jesus say immediately after? Forgive us our debts. What? As we forgive our debtors. As we forgive our debtors. Because the mercy we experience in prayer transforms us into people who want to show that same mercy to other people. Prayer works on us. Let's look at one more aspect of prayer that should compel us to get back to it. Jesus reveals something at the very heart of prayer that was revolutionary in the first century. It was revolutionary. Number four, prayer, prayer is time with your father. Prayer fundamentally is time with God. It's time with your father. Um, Before Jesus tells the disciples how to pray, he tells them how not to pray. He goes through these examples. He's like, okay, see these religious people over here. He says, many of them, they're doing it like to get attention from other people. They're doing it to get praise and, you know, acclaim from others. And he says, and then you got some some of these uh, 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 pagan people over here who pray in a very like repetitive way, almost like incantation, almost like magic to try and make something happen. Jesus says, don't, don't do either of those things. He says, both of these approaches completely miss the heart of what prayer is all about. Prayer is not principally about accomplishing something. Prayer is about being with someone. It's not principally about accomplishing something. It's about being with someone. So Jesus says to his disciples, when you pray, pray like this. And the very first thing he teaches them to pray is to address God as Father. Our Father in heaven. Prayer is time with our Father. John Calvin once said, we do not rightly pray unless we are surely persuaded in our hearts that God is our Father. We do not rightly pray unless we are surely persuaded in our hearts that God is our Father. When you pray, do you see God as your Father? Do you see Him as your Father? You see how this changes everything about prayer? Changes how you pray. When you begin to pray, our Father, it's an immediate reminder of the gospel. Those two words are the gospel, our Father. Why? Because what our Father did in order to adopt us into his family is extraordinary, right? When we say our Father, it's a reminder that, oh, (laughs) just by creation, I'm not his son. I'm his creation. I'm made in his image, and you are too. But just by being created, we're not children of God. Because we have so much in us that keeps us from him, that cannot approach him. But God wanted to do something about that. So he sent the true son, the true son, Jesus. He sent Jesus, and Jesus came, and he lived the life that we were designed 
created to live. He lived it perfectly. And then he died that sacrificial death where he took all of our selfishness and all of our sin and our pride, and he took it upon himself. So that what? So that we could be brought into the family as children. So that we could go to God in prayer and say, our father, you are our father. So when we say our father, it's this beautiful reminder of the gospel. And it changes, again, it changes how you pray. Religion says you pray to get God's approval. But the gospel says you pray because you have it. You already have his approval. Religion says you pray in order to be a good person. The gospel says you pray because you are a loved person. You're a beloved son. You're a beloved daughter of God. You know, the author, Philip Yancey, you probably read some of his, his books or maybe heard him speak at, at times. He, Philip Yancey tells this amazing story. So he never knew his father. Uh, and he, one day later in life, he's, um, uh, he's visiting his mother and his mother's, you know, bringing out the box of all these pictures of when Philip was just a young little boy. And, uh, and he's looking through these pictures and he finds one that's crumpled up. It's like, like it'd been balled up, crumpled all over it. And he said, what's the story with this picture? And his mom says, well, as you know, your father died when you were just 10 months old. Uh, because, or, or, or maybe he's 13, 14 months old. When Philip was 10 months old, his father had gotten diagnosed with polio. And at the time, believing what they believed about polio, you, you had to be put in what was an iron lung machine in the hospital. And so for the last three months of his father's life, he couldn't see his son. He was in this iron lung in the hospital, but his mom took this picture of Philip and she jammed it up inside that iron lung so that it was right above his eyes so that for the remaining days of his life, his eyes were set upon his beloved son. And Philip says, learning that story, he says, he says, hard to describe the experience of learning that someone you never met loved you and loved you deeply. He said, the only other time he remembered experiencing something like that, he said, was in his college dorm room when he invited Jesus to come and live in his life. When you pray our father every time, it should be a reminder that someone you didn't know knew you, set his love upon you, even before the creation of the universe, chose to set his love and affections upon you. Prayer is time with that someone. Prayer is time with our Father. So why should we get back to fervency in prayer if we've kind of strayed away from that? Prayer brings us back to the reality that we so often forget, which, which is that we are utterly dependent upon God for all things. Make no mistake, do not believe the lie that anything but that is true. We need Him every hour. Prayer works is the second reason we should get back to praying. God uses it in some mysterious way. He uses it. And he invites us to be a part of his work of renewal in the world. Three, prayer works on you. It works on me. Does something in our hearts 
When we commit time with God, it begins to align our hearts with his. And four, prayer is time with our Father who loves us. And he loves you so much. He knows exactly what you're going through today. He's got you, and he's with you, and he loves you. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for what you have done that enables us to be able to call you Father and know you as our loving Father. Hallowed be your name. Lord, you are the one worthy of all praise. There is one God, it is you, it is not me or anyone else in here. Your kingdom come. Lord, we pray for your renewal. And all the brokenness of this world, your will be done as it is in heaven. God, may this world be more and more like heaven. May we be a small part of that. Even as we pray, we know that we are a small part in that. Give us this day our daily bread, Lord. Everything comes from your hand, and we thank you for it in advance. Forgive us our debts, Lord. We are full of wandering as we forgive Our debtors help us to be forgiving people. Lead us not into temptation, God, but deliver us from evil. Lord, would you protect us from all that is so broken about the flesh, the world, and the evil one who has it out for us. Lord, we trust all of these things to you. In Jesus' name, amen.